Thank you for listening to the weekly podcast from San Jacinto Assembly of God in Amarillo, Texas. If you'd like to know more about our church, visit us online at www.sjag.church. Now here's this week's message. Get out your Bibles with me and turn to Matthew chapter 24. We'll be there. And then first I'll start out with a scripture. It'll be on the screen. I'll be finishing this morning my three-part uh, series that I was speaking of that the title of something made me look. And uh, this series has been developed upon the scripture thought of Luke chapter 21 verse 28. It says, now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift your heads up. Because your redemption draws near. Talking about things that are happening should make the Christian look up with their redemption in mind. And even some of the world things that we're seeing right now. And and really really in this series, I was just pointing out three things that I was looking at. But there's a lot more than just these three that are happening while we are living in this time that we're living in. I think what's happening in Israel is a very important thing for us to keep our eye on. Because there's things that are there that some are saying that war will not stop. And so there's a lot of of thought on that. But the thing is, you know what we're told to do? We're told to pray for Israel and pray for the peace of Israel, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. So continue to do that. You know, the first week I've spoke of technology and how everything's in place to bring in some of the things that are going to take place in the book of tribulation and things that we see today that they didn't see Uh, 50 years ago, of how all this could be possible. And the next week, last week, I spoke about the fact that we are living in lawless times that should open our minds up and help us to see that surely redemption, our redemption is drawing near just to the way the world is acting now. And the lawlessness that's in this world and what's taking place should cause us to think, my word, Jesus is coming soon. And this week, I'm going to talk about today, for just a few short minutes, I'm going to be speaking of the the thing that we call the falling away, or the great falling away, however you want to uh, uh, phrase that. And it it literally speaks of, of, it talks about the falling away of God's people, the the falling away of that love. So this morning, we're going to be there in Matthew 24, verses 12 through 13, it says, and because lawlessness will abound, and I spoke of that last week, but I did not do the other half of that scripture on purpose. The love of many will grow cold. Because a lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold, but he who endures to the end, listen to that, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. Endures to the end. Now, how many of you figured that all of us may have a different ending? Some people ended their life already, I may end mine tomorrow, no telling, or we may all end it with the rapture. So the end means until Jesus takes us one way or the other. So he who endures to the end shall be saved. Keep going like we started, keep going in Jesus, so he who endures. So we'll get to that here in just a little bit. This morning I want to share quickly just three things I had a a thought of in this passage or in these two verses of Scripture about what would make us look up? Things that should make us look up. And to wrap it all up in three, I think we'll find at the end of this what I'm speaking of. But the thing I want us to look at first is the love that's mentioned in this passage of Scripture. And how it's supposed to, what it insinuates, it talks about a, 
a, a fanatical, fanatical love. A fanatical love toward God. When it talks about the love, it's talking about the love that we should have, the love that God's people should have. It talks about a love that you and I should have toward God, a fanatical type love. I know sometimes we, we catch a hard thing about, oh, they're fanatical. You know, It's not a bad thing, my friend, when it comes to loving God. It's not a bad thing to have a relationship with God and have a fanatical love toward God. All that means is you're standing for Him. You won't be pushed away. You won't be persuaded any other way. You are fanatical about your love for God. And that is the love that's being spoke of in this verse. It talks about that love. That's the love that God wants us to have Amen. for Him. That type of love. It is number one. That love is number one in our lives. It should be. That's what it speaks of. There should be nothing else in front of that love that we love God with. It is number one. The disciples asked, listen, the disciples asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? What's the greatest commandment? I could hear them, they're probably thinking, well, it's probably something like this. Maybe, man would have said to give all you have to the Lord, everything to the Lord. Or maybe they said to, to keep the law, to every letter of the law. Or maybe to be kind to one another. I mean, you know, God would like us all to be kind to one another. There's no telling what was going through the disciples' mind when he said, what's the greatest commandment? They knew the Ten Commandments. They knew all these things. They knew the 613 laws that the Jewish people had to keep. And they said, what is the greatest commandment? And listen to what he says. Jesus said to them, you shall love the Lord God with part of your heart. No. You shall love the Lord God with all of your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first. Listen, he says, this is the first and great commandment. If anything that God expresses, and that is the fanatical love toward God. A love that says, I will have you at number one in my life no matter what else takes place. It's a love that is there to stand, a love that will not be persuaded any other way. If there's one thing the Christian and the church was to do it and is to do, it is to be that, is to love the Lord with all of our hearts and everything that we have. Nothing is to take the place of our love for God. Nothing. Not a preacher, not a spouse, nor family, nor music, or anything else was to take His place in our heart. Nothing is to take place. That's what's expressed by the word love in this verse. It talks about that type of love unto God. That love. That's the love God expects out of each one of us and the church and each one of us as Christians. He expects all in. Every ounce of me to love Him and nothing to get in place of that. That's what's expected. It's unwavering. It's, a, it's unwavering. Listen, this is a love that stays. From the moment we come into a relationship with God to the moment that God takes us home, it should be an unwavering love. Time does not change it. 
Circumstances does not change it. Culture does not change it. What's popular does not change it. Wealth or poverty does not change it. It is a love that is supposed to be there from the moment we fall in love with Him to the moment He takes us home. It is a fanatical love, an unwavering love to God. That's what He expects. That's what we're supposed to have. That's what the church is supposed to have. I mean, you know, the church is made up Christians. When we say the church, I'm not just talking about San Jacinto. I'm talking about the church. We are to love God in a way that nothing else can take the place of that. And why am I going here? Because I need to lay some, I, I need some, lay some foundation. Because when we're talking about what we're talking about when wax and coat here in a minute, we'll get to that because that's my sermon. But this is what we're talking about here. The type of love that we're supposed to have for God. Sometimes I don't think we get that. See, there are a lot of scriptures and there's a lot of preaching about God's love to us. Come on. There's a lot of scripture and a lot of preaching about God's love to us. And it seems to be what we mainly focus on. God loves me. I hear it all the time on the radio. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. Uh, but I ask you this, minute, this morning, but what about our love to Him? What about our love to Him? I understand God loves me. There's nothing to take God's love away from me. But is there something that's taking my love away from God? Where is my love toward Him? Because it's not much preached on it. Is my love just as faithful as His love? He expects it to be. We love Him because He first loved us. But is my love fanatical? Is it something that stands no matter what? Is it something that you can't nudge me from? Is it something that I've made my mind up? I'm going to love God regardless of whatever. Is it something like Job would say, God, if you slay me, I shall still praise you. In other words, he says, I'm still going to be yours. Where is my love? Where is my love? That love we're to have toward Him. My friend, I, I, you, can, you can fill a church up just speaking about God's love, but I'm going to tell you, you require someone to love Him, you may empty it. And that's sad. Because this is what's spoken of in that commandment I just read. It is said that the young son of Bishop Berkeley once asked him the question, Papa, what does the word cherubim and cherubim mean? seraphim mean. The bishop took time to tell the little questioner that the cherubim was a Hebrew word for, for word meaning knowledge and the word seraphim stood for flame explaining that it's commonly supposed that cherubims are the angels that excel in knowledge and the seraphim are those who excel in the love of God. And then he said then I hope the boy said that when I die I will be a seraphim. I'd, I'd lot rather love God than know all about God. What a thought to love God more than to know everything. So the love of God needs to be fanatical. The love that He expects in this day that we're living in 2023 is for us to have a fanatical type love for God. That's our basics. So the next thing I want to point out in this same passage of Scripture, we have a fanatical love that spoke of, but we also have a failing love toward God. We have a failing love toward God. 
That's spoke of in the same verse that we're speaking of this morning. Can I tell you this morning, it does not happen overnight. A failing love does not happen overnight. The wording spoke of in this passage of Scripture, in these verses, it says to grow cold. It translates also as wax wants to breathe or for something to blow on it. Yesterday morning, Robin was trying to copy the recipe of Lou and also Denise's on those little egg things you made. And she got them out of the oven. I was watching her make them. Hey, you know how it is when you watch someone make a lot of food and you just think, well, I'm going to get the first thing that comes out. So they came out and she turned them upside down and out of the little pan thing. And I went and grabbed me one of those just immediately out of the oven. And I'm going, that is hot. <laughs> I couldn't taste the flavor because of how hot that was. And so immediately I'm trying to get some water. I go, <laughs> and you know what it means when we're talking about something to wax cold, and how many times have you blown on something to cool it off a little bit, and it cools off just a little bit at the time. It wasn't instant. I wish it would have been instant, but it wasn't. It took just a moment for it to cool down in my mouth. And this is the same thing when it talks about wax cold, about our love for God, the love, that, that fanatical love that I spoke of. It doesn't happen overnight. It is a process that takes place in our life, and we just wonder how it happened. It talks about waxing cold. It's a slow thing. It's like putting a frog in a cold pot of water and then slowly heating it up and he never knows he's being cooked until the very end. And it's just the reverse of that when we're talking about waxing cold. It just happens from hot down to this. And you really don't know it until one day you are there. It's a process that happens slowly in one's life. As a believer, even a church, it may not even be evident to them until they find out that their love for God is gone. Talking about that waxing code. It's like the couple sitting across from the table from one another after 30 years of marriage fixing to sign divorce papers and they can't really tell anybody where they fell out of love. Can I tell you this morning, it was a slow process one day at a time that caused the issue in their life. One day at a time. It's that process that takes place. It is the same with God. It is a slow thing in our lives. But can I tell you, its reasons are not hidden. The reasons are not hidden why we draw or wax code. Last week I spoke that in the last days before Christ comes, that sin will abound. And just like COVID, listen, just like COVID took non-Christians and Christians. I was thinking a while back, Oliver and I was talking, how many pastors we lost just out of our district to COVID. It took Christians and non-Christians. Let me tell you today, when we're talking about sin, when sin is abounding, it can affect both. Non-Christian and Christian. It can, have a, it can have an influence and an effect on you just as much as it has on the world. And it can cause you to wax cold. It can cause the church to wax cold. My friend, today we're seeing that, that the love of God has waxed cold in the church today. And it should help us to see that Jesus is coming soon. 
The abounding of iniquity or lawlessness will affect the Christian and the non-Christian just alike. Why do I say that? Because Scripture expresses that very thing. I, I, I just want to share some things quickly with you this morning when you start talking about how does one wax cold. One of the things that can cause us to wax cold is self, just seeking for us only, self-seeking. It can also be worldliness. Look, when we want more of the world than we do our relationship with God, then we're in problems. When we start just a little bit of time thinking, well, I know what Scripture says, or I know what God really wants out of me, but I've got a different attitude. God still loves me. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to tell you, we live in a world of pleasure. We live in a world of there's all kinds of things out there that can take the place of God. And when we step out of relationship with God into that, we're being worldly in the way we think, worldly in the things that we say, worldly in our thoughts, worldly in our time, worldly in our days, worldly in everything. I'm going to tell you, be worldly long enough, and you're going to find that you don't love God near as much as you used to. You love the more the world more than you love God. Come on, it's happening today because there's never been a generation, never been a, a, a moment in history that has so many things to draw your attention. I mean, it, it just not, a lot of people are just really withdrawing because they haven't got new shows out right now. I'm thinking, hey, it's all right, we don't need them. But I'm saying you live your life in a worldly frame of mind long enough. And it will cause you to wax cold in your relationship with God and your love with God. Worldliness. Another thing that can cause someone to wax cold is discord and, discord and division in the church. I don't want to have any part of that church. All it is is dividing and discord, arguing. I'll just stay home. I don't need any more of that. How many know somebody like that? Can I tell you today, my love for God is not based on this church. There are those that have been raised in church, those that have been, and, and believe me, every church is going to have an issue, every church is going to have a problem. As soon as you get done with that issue or problem, guess what's coming? Another issue and another problem. You get done with that, guess what's going to happen? Another issue and another problem. And I'm thinking, my word, will we ever have a time when we don't have problems? I can tell you, yes. We will all be in heaven. No more problems. But the thing is, I can't let things, what causes, there's a lot of division today in the church. There's a lot of division over things. And believe me, he who wants to bring division knows exactly what he's doing. He, if he can cause you not to want church anymore, then he can cause you to wax cold in your love. There are some that have been raised in church and that will not knock in the door anymore because of what they have felt in the church body. Wax cold toward God. I don't want no more of God. That's a sad place to be. Persecution. Now, we don't understand that as much in America as we do across the world. But I'm going to tell you, I think we're going to. We're going to because, see, we speak against everything that this world's starting to like. And persecution's coming. Some people are wax cold when persecution comes. A long time ago, back in grade school, we used to play out on the playground, back before they made you wear helmets and all that stuff, we used to play tackle the man with the ball. And believe me, there was blood. And if you got that ball, what you found out, everybody was after you because you were the man with the ball. And I figured out how I could get rid of that. About the time they all got there, I would just throw the ball. And they wouldn't tackle me. 
And that's a whole lot of what's spoke of here when persecution comes will cause some people to wax cold for their love for God because when it starts to get too hard because someone's persecuting them in the family or whether it be in the culture they're in, that they will just chunk off God and not love God anymore. And my friend, we see that today too because of opposition, persecution. And here's another thing is ignorance and even weak faith. Now, don't get... Now, hear me just for a moment. Illiterate in the Word of God. Not knowing God's Word can help us to wax code. Researchers, George Gallup and, 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 and Jim Castley put the problem squarely. Americans revere the Bible, but by large, by and large, they do not read it. Because they don't read it, they have become a nation of biblical illiterates. How bad is it? Researchers tell us that it is worse than the most most could imagine. Fewer than half of all the adults can't name the four Gospels. Many Christians cannot identify more than two or three of the disciples. According to data from Barna Research Group, 60% of Americans can't name even five of the Ten Commandments. It's no wonder we're in a mess that we're in. They don't know what they are. Another thing they said, a larger scandal is biblical ignorance among Christians. Choose, choose whichever statistics or survey you like. The general pattern is the same. Americans, Christians know less and less about the Bible. Less and less about the Bible. American Christians know less and less about the Bible. How can a generation be biblically shaped is its understanding of human sex when it believes Sodom, listen to this, Sodom and Gomorrah to be married, a married couple. I mean, you know, that's two cities. But a lot of Christians think they were a married couple. <laughs> no wonder Christians show a growing tendency to compromise on the issue of homosexuality. Many who identify themselves as Christian are similarly confused about the gospel itself as individuals who believe that God helps those who help themselves. I've heard you know, people say that in Scripture. I say, that's not Scripture. It's like godliness is next to, or cleanliness is next to godliness. You won't find that in the Bible either. either. <laughs> Christians who lack biblical knowledge are the products of churches that marginalize biblical knowledge and Bible teaching now often accounts only for a diminishing fraction of the local congregation's time that they spend together. Let's give you a short 10-minute message. And I ask you, if you'd like to have a short 10-minute message, you would all go like this. And I said, I'm going to give it to you five times over. <laughs> but the fact is, one of the reasons that we're finding wax and coat is because we don't, but we don't know what, who God is, what God has done, and how He saved our lives, how He gave His life upon the cross of Calvary. Some preacher said, just come and be loved. But let me tell you something. I love my wife because I know my wife. I know about my wife. I know who she is. I've been with her for 35 years. And let me tell you something. I love my wife. And if I'm going to love God, the Word of God exposes to me who He is, what He's done, how He's created, how He gave His life for me. Love will not wax cold if I know who He is. Because music is not going to get it. Can I just remind everybody who got cast out of heaven because of their music? If you don't know that, his name's Satan. It didn't get him where he needed to be. 
the lawlessness and immorality. Spoke of it. Come on, you can't. Listen, this is why it's important. I'm going to preach tonight about developing uh, good faith tonight. Uh, but listen, being around a crowd that lives lawless and immoral lives causes many to lose their love for Christ. How many of you have figured out even though you're saved, your flesh has not died? Come on, let me say this. How many of you have figured out that even though you're saved, your flesh has not died? That flesh always wants to rule. Have you figured that one out yet? You'll say something like, you'll never do that again. And the flesh says, just watch. Come on. When we live in this type of an environment that we're living in today, there's never been another generation that has all this stuff to them. All the, all the stuff on the internet, all these things that are so available. I'm going to tell you, we're living in a difficult time. That's why you've got to guard. We've got to guard what we watch. We've got to guard where we go on the internet. We've got to guard things because we're living in such an immoral life. Immoral times that we live in. And listen, you can't live there not staying built up not staying on fire for God, because if you're not, then your love for God is going to wax cold. The Bible says Lot was vexed because he lived in one of those places that those two guys were married. No, he lived in, in, in Sodom there, and his soul was vexed. Why? Because all of the things that he was seeing, he was seeing all the things, a lot of the things that we see today, and he was, he was, his soul was fixed. What? It was working on him. It was, it was causing him to, to, to lose his love for God a little bit. I'm saying today that if we're not careful, we must stay prayed up and, and read up and ready to go up because we will wax cold if we're not careful in this environment that we're living in today. This lawlessness. All these and many more can cause us to, for our love to wax cold. Remember, we're supposed to have a fanatical love for God. And it's happening today in the church. I thought, you know, I, I was going to preach this message different. I've actually talked to Oliver a little bit about it. I was going to talk about it, but you know, I don't believe in hammering. There's a lot of things happening in the church that should not be happening in the church today. And a lot of things that's happening in the church is all about man, not about God. And there's a lot of decisions Christians are making today that all are all about them and not about God. There's a lot of things that are happening. I, I believe that there are thousands of chairs upon thousands of chairs vacant this morning on a Sunday morning because people have chose not to put God first in their life. I know that's, that's hard preaching, but let me tell you, we're living in a time that self is very much promoted. We're living in a time that many Christians have waxed cold in their love for God. And you know what that causes me to do? To look up. To look up. Another third thing here. I'm preaching fast. Well, let, me, let, me, let me share this. Here's the thing that we need to understand also. About 200 years ago, one of our well-known encyclopedias discussed the word Adam. And with the use of only four lines is how he explained to Adam. But five pages were devoted to the discussion of love. In a recent edition of the same encyclopedia, this must be old, five pages were given to the word Adam. Love was completely not even talked about. 
Let me tell you something. In the beginning of our walk, it's all about the love of God. Is it still about the love of God? Or have we waxed waxed cold? See, the same can happen to our love for God if we let other things take the place of our love for God. We have a warning from the Lord, and we find it in Revelation chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. What does that look like? It looks like people that are really not on fire for God anymore. Remember what? Let's go back to point one. You're supposed to have no other God before thee. The greatest commandment is to love the Lord God with all your heart. And this is the warning that Christ gave the church, which also represents the time period that you and I are living in. In that lukewarm church of Laodicea. So what's the answer? What's the answer? If we're living in that moment, if we're living in that time, what's the answer? You know, if I've seen a tornado come into my house, I've learned something. I'm not going to go out and watch it. You know how I learned that? Because I was on the fire department once and I was out doing that business and it like they got me. The movies don't show what really happens. I'll go and get ready. I'll find the deepest hole I can find or a basement or a strong structure to get in. If I know that I'm living in a time period, Pastor Olive, if you'll come, if I know that I'm living in a time period that it's going to be difficult for my love, for God, to stay number one in my life. And my friend, I'm telling you today, that's where the church is right now. That's where the church of America is right now. Is we're living in a time that is very difficult for God to be number one in my life. And there's a lot of things that have taken that place. What's the answer? And that is to have a faithful love toward God. Have a faithful love toward God. A faithful love. You couples that are here, you've got to have a faithful love for one another. A love that will endure. And remember that last part of that scripture, it talks about he who endures to the end. My love can't just be the moment that I give my heart to God. My love has got to be faithful throughout my life. Every Every relationship takes work. Have you figured that out yet? And to keep your love for God, it takes works. It talks, when things come in opposition, you've got to get it out. When things come to try to take you the place of that one that you love, you've got to get it out. It takes enduring. It takes faithful. It takes when that enemy comes to you and tries to lure you away with that new jet boat or whatever you might have, you say, well, you can't be used on Sunday because my God. Nobody shouted me down. It takes being faithful to the Lord. A faithfulness unto Him. Unto what? The end. Unto the very end. That faithfulness to endure. I realize this morning that we're living in some difficult times. I I realize that we're living in a time that everything tries to draw you away from God. But I'm going to tell you, if you don't want to be part of that that bunch, or I don't want to be part of that bunch that have waxed cold, because God says that's not where you're going to need to be. i got to be faithful to Him until the very end. On His 99th birthday, Carl J. Prince 
For many years, the commissioner from Sweden to Canada stepped quickly into the television stage. His keen eyes expressing wisdom and understanding of his years, he was asked for rules by which such a long and useful life might be achieved, and he replied, I would suggest one definite rule, and that is one to be temperate in all things. Then he added quickly, perhaps I should say all but one. For in the Bible you can read the commandments to love the Lord God with all your heart and soul and mind and your neighbor as yourself. These are the only things we can rightly do in excess. Come on. You want to do something in excess, love the Lord God with excess. Be fanatical about your love for God. When someone talks bad about God, you say, that's my God, whoa. Come on, I find it interesting in America they can slam Jesus or anybody else, but don't dare say anything about Muhammad or Muhammad. That's my God. God of heaven. To have that type of love for him. See, in these days, we will require us protecting and taking care of our love for God. It's required. We're going to have to do it. You've got to make your mind up. I don't want to say, hey, I've seen sister so-and-so, brother so-and-so, and it caused me to look up because their love for God had waxed cold. But my friend, it's us individually that must take care of it. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3 says, let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will come. Listen, it says, it will come. This day I'm talking about will come unless the falling away comes first. The man of sin is revealed, the son of prediction. It's not if that day will come. It is when that day will come. And I believe that we are seeing it now, my friend. We're in that moment of the falling away, that moment of waxing cold. Pay attention to what's going on. And when you see, may it say, it cause us to look up because our redemption draweth nigh. Folks, I see things or hear of things going on in churches. I think, how does that even honor God? Come on, we're living in some interesting times. So I ask you this morning, are you ready? Where's your love for God? Everybody stand with me. I'm trying to be done by 12. When we look at the state or the condition of our hearts toward God, I want to ask you this morning, where are you? Are you still in love with God just as much as you were when you first met Him? You still love Him? You still talk, talk to Him? You still got that, that, that heartbeat for God, that desire for God? You still got that? Because, see, that's how He wants us to be. How many of you found out it takes work? Amen? I, I, you know, I never forget about Sid and Mildred and the many years that they were married. And I go into the ICU to see Sid and he talks about his love for Mildred. I mean, you know, that didn't just happen. They worked at that. We've got to stay working with our love for God. Amen? Because see, it is a sign when we start to grow cold. 
And it is a sign when the believers start to grow cold in the church is that Jesus is coming soon.